Should I do the intro? Yep. Yeah, do it. Do it. I'll do it. I'll do it from memory. I'm not gonna look. Hello, <laughs> welcome to our new podcast, Legend of Philadelphia. I'm Johnny Zito, and this is my best friend and business partner, Tony Trove. And joining us, hey, on no, on on you don't talk. You don't let me talk when you do it. Right. That I'm editing that out. When the uh, and this is our this is uh, on engineering duties is Ryan Beerman. Hello. You might be asking, why are these guys uh, telling me how to live my life? And uh, the uh, we run a t-shirt shop named South Fellini, where we focus on in-jokes and something culture. Something about culture. The, <laughs> what? what do you mean something culture? What is it? <laughs> Philly culture. It's a Philly, Philly podcast. Culture. Philly it's culture. a Philly themed store. <laughs> We're in Philadelphia. Okay. Well, uh, these things all just seem so, very random. <laughs> some people, sometimes people come in the store and ask us, "What is Toy and Bee mean? And what's the John? What's the word John mean? And can I use the bathroom?" And so we started this as a refresher for the old head. No. We uh 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 uh. Very close. What's Your the first people? part before the refresher it. for old heads? Old heads and and, and new people. And explainer new, for new Philadelphia. Explainer for new Philadelphians and a refresher for the old heads. The city fascinates us and excites us, and we're hoping to share that with you. All from that was perfect. Uh, that was, that was perfect. Uh, it's like a I don't know. It's like a C minus. That was perfect. <laughs> I like the part when you revealed about yourself when you said we tell you how to live your life, but we we never do. I have opinions, but I don't share them. (laughs) Uh, Well, that was okay. That was okay. Um, That was fucking spot on. For anybody, for anybody uh, who needs some kind of grounding or centering, just this is the South Fellini podcast, Legends of Philadelphia. I said Uh, that. Yeah, I got that part. You, yeah, you got most of it. You got most of it. I, you forgot the Philadelphia part. I forgot. <laughs> I thought it was Legends of Baltimore for a second. <laughs> it's like when Gene Belcher forgets Bob's Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Dad's Burgers. Dad's Burgers. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I guess uh, Zito bamboozled us with this episode and, and just said, hey, everyone, we're wow. recording this. We didn't we're, hear. We're, yeah. we're, do, we're doing this on air. Well, yeah. no, I don't, I don't okay. know. What's, what's the I, theme I of this up. one? What's it even? What's it even called? Oh, sorry, I can't see through all this dirty laundry. <laughs> <laughs> That's being air. No, what well, I'm saying is like we, we, me and Beerman have no prep for this, and Zito's gonna just give us a lesson. Let's hear it. Um. Uh, yeah. I. Um. I. Um. Last week we talked about uh, the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. And that got some people asking if there had ever been a World's Fair in Philadelphia. And the answer is uh, yes, actually. There were two international exhibitions hosted in Philadelphia, the Centennial in 1876 and the Sesquicentennial in 1926. Uh, They were celebrated in Fairmount and South Philly, respectively. The world leaders, inventors, celebrities, and common folk mingled there. And uh, they, they were taking a, li- uh, a glimpse at the future. They were there to see what the future was going to look like. And so today, we're going to take a look back at them. And I messed up. I messed up. I was, 
I usually send the script, I usually send the, we talk about it beforehand and I send it to everybody, but I got so excited about this one, I forgot to include anyone <laughs> last, else in the conversation. Last night, you sent me like 20 maps from 1800. I, look, I just set up my <laughs> Sega last night and I was playing Sega, NHL, and I just gave you maps from Zito. <laughs> but the really embarrassing really part excited. is that I played so much Sega, my thumb hurts today. So, <laughs> oh, man. I w- yeah, let me come over. <laughs> come over. We're going. Let's meet at Zito's. No, no it's illegal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stop this. It's illegal. Yeah. Well, you can go upstairs, Zito. When we go to your house, you're gonna get leave arrested. the dog. <laughs> Ziggy's allowed to, 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 to socialize. The rest of us have to distance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I got really excited about this one. I, um, I looked it up many years ago and forgot most of uh, everything about it. I combined the two World's Fairs in my head, so I thought they were the same event. Every time I've been telling people about this for the last few years, I was telling it as if it was one thing, but it was actually two things. And, um, and so, yeah, I just got really jazzed about looking up all of the things I already know that exist that are from that time. And uh, it was just really exciting. Uh, and you guys... uh, listener to the show, uh, Al, Al Bruno suggested. Let's, yes. He's, he's like, oh. check, out the, uh, yeah, check out the old World's Fair. Like, World's Fair. We'll look into it. Hmm. Good lead. Never, Good lead. Never heard of it. Yep. Oh, uh, I don't read the scripts because I, I did at the beginning, but. It takes the spontaneity out of it. Yeah. Jackie Gleason never rehearsed. So. <laughs> you, like you Dean Martin, I also do not rehearse. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> so throw that script in the trash. I like to learn for an hour <laughs> at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's fine. no. Uh, I. You... <laughs> uh, they're good to have, but I I I don't. <laughs> well, I, I I listen to the media that uh, uh, yeah. that you share with it. And I just assume yeah. we're going to cover the things that we. Yeah, I do. That. I do that. I do that. Yeah, no, I think it's better. I think it's better if you guys don't have anything prepared <laughs> as well. <clears throat> do you guys? Uh, are you? Do you, did you have any familiarity with the Philadelphia World's Fair to begin with? Do you guys know anything about World's Fairs in general? Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Beerman. Yeah, I watched on PBS um, on WHYY. It was like a. Um, it was like a 15 minute thing, I guess, or like 12 minutes. I guess it was like when they show a movie or something or Masterpiece Theater goes like a weird time and they have to kill like 12 minutes. They showed like this mini kind of documentary about the 1876 World's Fair. And that has like one of my favorite pictures ever is the, um, we'll talk about it, but the it's the France sent over Statue of Liberty in pieces, and they sent um, the torch, the hand holding the torch over, and it was on display. And it's just like you just see how huge it is when like there's like people standing next to it, and it's just the torch. Um, and then in the documentary, it says that the they had the pictures on um, at the Philadelphia Library in the main branch. So I went there one time. And I was like, can I see the pictures? And they were like, no. <laughs> they were like, you show no, them they're on the card and tell them who you are. Yeah. No, no it's Read like it. only Brian for Beard. like, yeah, you know, I am I'm the, the future host of Legends of Philadelphia. <laughs> Look at it. Legends uh, of Legends of Legends something. Of, uh, something. Something like that. The, Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah. Uh, they. 
It's only open for like school groups and stuff. And they were like, you can go on the internet. They're on the internet. And I was like, yeah, well, I already looked at those. I want to look at the real ones and sneeze on them. <laughs> you want to destroy something that you love. So my um, my I bucket list is to is to get famous enough that I can go there and 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 they'll I'm show sure me the made real. Appointment. They probably would. That's just probably the deal. Yeah, it, if somebody walked in off the street without any kind of appointment, show me the pictures of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, me and the We're library pay our taxes for. <laughs> the library and I don't see eye to eye, so. Well, they know what you have. Yeah, bring DVDs. it back. <laughs> Better in books. Better in books. Um, my my, what I know about the about the World Fair is that my great grandmother had coins from both of them. Wow. Uh, they released some sort of, or the, the yes, the, yeah. probably the Philadelphia Mint put out some sort of commemorative yeah. coin. And she went to the one when she was like a little kid, and then she had the one the other one she was like an old lady or something like that. Uh, I have to, <laughs> I did not think about this until we started talking about it. Uh, when you're like, what did your you grandmom? No, it was my, my great grandmother. I think it was my father. Oh, uh, I was going to say, mother. man, the, the 18, she was at the 18. No, like, it was like, it was like his grandmother. It's amazing. Like, I'm telling you, it was like, uh, whatever, the, whatever the, the, the age lines up, it, it doesn't, we have these two coins, uh, from both world's fair. That's why oh, that's crazy. Two. Yeah. I did. Uh, I did I read about them. Show. I'll try and find them for, put a post of this. I did read about them, but I didn't. I didn't. Um, I didn't include uh, anything about them in this because uh, the information they're super duper rare. Because I don't care. Oh really? Well, I don't no, care. I don't have them. We uh, we sold them. Uh, I sold them uh, for a chocolate coin. That's really neat. <laughs> that's really <Yeah>. neat. Slug. <laughs> right. That's super cool. Well, well, we'll definitely include the the coins in the visual companion so people can see them. There was coins minted for each event uh, as well. Uh, yeah, that's nuts. Uh, when I, I when I think of a World's Fair, I think of like the you know the 1939 Expo in New York, the the one that gets referenced in like movies and stuff. The smoking robot. The smoking robot. The Futurama. The, the, the description of. Robot. Yeah, you know I wrote that about? down. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's Electro, that's, the smoking robot. He was so, a robot. They, it was like right before the Great Depression, right? Uh, yeah, was it, during? Like peak it was decadence. It was peak, yeah. Like, yeah, it was like right before. So they're just like, cigarettes. yeah, exactly. We have so much money. Let's teach this robot how to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, and and there's also there's the Futurama, the where the word Rama comes from is, oh, is cool. the Futurama at um at the World's Fair in 1939 uh -huh. with a, it, it was a giant model. It was like a Disneyland ride. You get in oh, and yeah. it takes you around in a circle and it shows you these models of what cities will look like with skyscrapers and highways and stuff before that existed. And then it peels away and you see like what the home of the future is going to look like. And some mom is using a vacuum cleaner and it looks like very Donna Reed, like 1950s. But it's like project projecting 20 years into the future. You know, it's not necessarily uh, what was available at the time. The, and, and so I associate the, the World's Fairs with like commerce, with the d debut of new events or, or new uh, uh, tools or, or, or technology and things like that. And, uh, you know, uh, the 1867 or 1876 and the 1923 World's Fairs were, were no different. They uh, just haven't lived on in pop culture in the same way that the New York one did because so much of the New York fairgrounds stuck around. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Uh, but we had two of them in Philadelphia and we, and the city doesn't even acknowledge it. Um, I mean, if it was in South Philly, you would think, 
I mean, I feel like this should be technically the biggest party to ever happen in South Philly. In, in some ways it was, <laughs> in some ways it definitely was, and in other ways it, it, it was not. No. Um, and it was a, and that was the, the South Philly one was the sequel, so it had the problems that so many sequels do, trying to live up to the hype. Mm. So for anybody who doesn't know... That's good. No, it's, it, I mean, Woodstock, uh, Woodstock was it, 96, 99? Wow, 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 wow. Woodstock 99, though, was yeah. like, that, that, was, uh, that was peak Woodstock. Sometimes part yeah. three beats out part two, as we all know. Yeah. Sometimes part three beats out part two. As we all know, Godfather I mean, uh, 2 is the Godfather pretty, 3 of Godfather, Godfather 3. of uh, <laughs> the best one. Um... Uh, so a World's Fair is a World's Fair, uh, a World's Fair or a World Fair is a large international exposition designed to showcase achievements of nations. These nations, uh, these exhibitions vary in character and are held in different parts of the world at specific sites for a period of time, usually ranging from like three to six months. So it's like an installation that you and the family would like schedule a time to go down and visit, buy tickets to go and see. Uh, they aren't called World's Fairs, though. That's like an American colloquialism. In other places, they're usually called the Expo or the Universal Expo or the Special Assembly. Uh, uh, generally That's speaking... That's why that, the um, Montreal Expos are named that. Well, yep. they were. Because yep. there was an Expo in Montreal around the same time. Yep. Um, and uh, the origin of these Expos comes from the French. <laughs> uh, they got the ball rolling. <laughs> I think Montreal's a beautiful city. And actually, it has all these, like futuristic techie things in there now you're saying it i guess they had that uh, biodome and all that stuff go ahead biodome. go on i'm sorry so the uh the french kind of invented this idea they got the ball rolling with the uh an industrial exhibition in 1844 and every nation in europe uh wanted to have one of these afterwards so it's like the idea that like all of these industrial like i uh, uh advances are happening at once so you get all of the uh, manufacturers and the business people and the bankers together in one space so that they can all talk things out and figure out. Let's what, build like, a dome. Yeah, let's build this dome, baby. Mm-hmm. Let's or or, or weapons <laughs> or agricultural oh. uh, tools. You know, like mm-hmm. like industrializing farming and things like that. Uh, uh, locomotion and uh, and you know whatever the latest technology of the eighteen. Uh, so it's a con. Uh, it's a convention, movie. right? Yeah, it's yeah, just like absolutely. it's a comic con. It's, yep. it's like it's the flower show right it's the car show yep um look everybody sliced bread can you believe it <laughs> like I, i've had this lettuce and bacon for so long perfect <laughs> i don't know sliced you, you bread is the, the you tool the, of the devil you with the tomatoes you with the bread let's work it out yeah these are these are how great inventions come to be great mm-hmm. great systems are invented this way makes sense uh, the, uh, the, the first world, world Expo, though, was held at the Crystal Palace in Hyde Park, London, 1851. Uh, it's called the Great Exhibition of the Works of Industry and All Nations. And it was the idea of Prince Albert. That's Queen Victoria's husband. Uh-huh. Uh, the event is usually considered to be the in first... In a can. Inter- yes, I know it. <laughs> I paused. Yeah, well, I the it. gears I were turning, it. but I couldn't get one. Go ahead. Hey, I could have went with the 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 dick piercing, but I didn't. You know, <laughs> what I mean? like sweating. I could see you just sweating, holding it back too. Go uh, on. The event, <laughs> the event is usually considered. This event was uh, considered to be the first international exhibition of manufactured product. And, like, you see this sometimes in, like, Gilded Age, uh, movies about the Gilded Age and stuff. It's, like, it influenced, like, architecture and 
uh, design and education and international trade and tourism and commerce. So sometimes you see it like referenced in, in movies and, and shit as well. Um, it is, uh, this event is the benchmark. gadgets. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's a, uh, yeah, it's rife with that kind of uh, steampunk visualization. Um, the event is set as the benchmark for all future international expos, even to this day. It was huge. It was massive. Um, and uh, if you want to look up pictures of that, um, uh, look them up out there. Look <laughs> them up. They're great. Google.com. We, uh, Give it a shot. <laughs> but uh, we, are, we are not here to talk about uh, Hyde Park. We're here to talk about uh, Fairmount Park. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so the Philadelphia, <laughs> the, thank you. The, so the, the Philadelphia um, uh, uh, World's Fair, did it live up to the hype or not? Nah? 100% had to have. Well, it, it kind of did. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, the Philadelphia Centennial uh, International Exhibition of 1876 <laughs> was the first official World's Fair to be held in the United States. Congratulations, everyone. We did it. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was held from May 10th to November 10th, 1876, to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence in Philadelphia. Boom. There it Boom. is. <laughs> Same feathers. 100 years. They said Nine it wouldn't last, but here we are. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, officially named the International Exhibition of Arts, Manufacturers, and the Products of the Soil and the Mine, it was held in Fairmount Park <laughs> along the Schuylkill River Fairbanks. The f- the convention center of the 1800s. Yes. The Schuylkill. Mm-hmm. The Schuylkill. Mm. Uh, nearly 10 million visitors attended the exposition and 37 countries participated in it. It was a big wow. deal. It, wow. was, uh, it, was, it was pretty successful. Um, it was on like the western side of the Schuylkill River. Um, it, you know, I bet that was really nice. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, uh, it was further out in Fairmount Park um, and, uh, and, and more removed from the, the center city area. Uh, but it was uh, it was still connected enough that you could walk there, you know, and uh, not have to go through like some uh, terrible muddy uh, swampland to do it. It was all like developed enough, pastoral enough. Uh, so the idea of the centennial exhibition is credited to John L. Campbell, who was a professor of mathematics from Indiana, and I guess it came to him in December of 1866 when he suggested to the Philadelphia mayor Morton McMichael that the United States Centennial should be celebrated with an exhibition in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia um, because, you know, it's, it all started here, and so the 100th birthday should, uh, should climax here. Uh, naysayers argued that the uh, project would not be able to find funding, other nations might not attend, and domestic exhibits might compare poorly to foreign <laughs> ones. France is like, I'm not going to Philadelphia. <laughs> I think, I mean, also, like, you know, America is not a world superpower or anything. It's a backwater that just kind of have fought this goofy civil war um, that other people don't quite understand because they solved their slavery problem differently. And now uh, we, we have like our a, ways. And that's yeah, we is. just look like a very violent and barbaric and racist people. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so there was like a there was like an insecurity, like who would want to come to America? Why would any from the intelligentsia over here? Who would want to come to the United States? Uh, we're, we're, they, they see us as so backwards. We're, we're hardly a France or, or an England. Right. Well, hopefully, maybe uh, the Tony Luke's family was there vending with roast pork sandwiches and convinced the world. <laughs> Look, everybody, so it's bad. called a cheesed steak. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, actually, the Franklin Institute became an early supporter of the exhibi exhibition, and they asked the Philadelphia City Council for use of Fairmount Park, and they said, we'll take care of it if you give us the, the, the fairgrounds. And, give uh, us the giant heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Philadelphia City Council agreed, provided that the government would not be liable for any of the expenses. So all of the money had to come from private uh, uh, sources, uh, anything borrowed from the city or the, the the federal government had to be paid back. And surely they did. Well, they went to court over it, but uh, eventually eventually they did, something like 20 years later. Oh, shit. <laughs> this is why I don't read the scripts. You can just predict it. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. I don't know. <laughs> something like that will probably happen, of course. Oh, uh, well, uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> So uh, the Fairmount Park Commission uh, set aside 450 acres of West Fairmount Park for the exhibition, and the exhibits were divided into seven departments. Agriculture, art, education, slash science, horticulture, uh, machinery, manufacturers, and mining, slash metallurgy. Uh, despite fears of a European boycott uh, because of uh, high American tariffs at the time, all Europe European countries did accept the invitation and showed up with exhibits of their own. Uh, that's pretty wild. Nice. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess so um, what I was able to gather what that means is some of them had like some of them were like, oh, like, well, there's some science exhibits inside the great main hall or whatever. But many of these places had houses, had structures built in Fairmount Park dedicated to their country and their culture. So it wasn't just about like it wasn't just it was like Epcot. It wasn't just about going to the fair and learning about the new automatic hammer or whatever. It, it was also uh, going and learning Sweden's about all these major different cultures. export. The the electric hammer. The electric hammer. Well, they would have the electric hammer in the in the in one of those halls, one of those one of the one of the construction exhibit halls. But then they would build themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, the wealthier nations, the more the more advanced nations, would build themselves these houses in Fairmount Park. These these uh, these centers, mm -hmm. these cultural centers. And that's what that those, house, those those big old mansions are, I guess. Some of them are. There's one that survives to this day too. Yeah, we'll get into that guy. Okay. But um, but yeah, um, and some of them were moved. So like the, the some of them were built for countries. So they went back to their country of origin, and some were built for states, local. Uh, uh, the the I guess there was 37 states at the time, and uh, those uh, those houses, uh, some of them went back to where they came from, like in Illinois or whatever. Give it the, bring it back. It's a perfectly good house. Leave it here in Philadelphia. And some of them. <laughs> And some of them moved. Some of them were moved to the Jersey Shore. The Jersey Shore uh, uh, took a bunch of these. Yeah, the the countries or, or the states were like, we don't want it, and Philadelphia was like, we don't want it, and so they sold them to the Jersey Shore. I couldn't find a list, a definitive list of like where these things might exist, though, or which or like what houses are from the Centennial. Uh, I guess you know what I mean. It's like they're hidden gems. You got to know what the, where they are, and that, sure. that's part of their. There history. might not even be. There might not even be any. And yeah, that have survived yeah. since then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, to accommodate all these out-of-town visitors from all these different countries and different states, temporary hotels were constructed near the exposition's grounds. A Centennial Lodging House agency made a list of rooms in hotels, boarding houses, and private homes, and then sold tickets. They centralized the sale of tickets for the available rooms in the city uh, while promoting the Centennial on trains headed for Philadelphia. So uh, it was sort of like an Airbnb. Uh, they centralized the whole thing. Because it was like months long, right? Yeah, yeah, it was six months long. So having a central yeah. uh, organization to help you find a hotel yeah. and uh, transportation while you're here. And they moved the that many amenities. people through the city, which they're not used to hosting. I mean, it's yeah. almost like the past few years. Interesting. Yeah, 
Ten million is a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, and and really, yeah, it does compare to like having like the Pope in town or having mm-hmm. the NFL draft in town. Like these are giant events, and like it's like having the up. Pope do the NFL draft at the same time. Mm-hmm. Wow, man, twenty twenty one, look out! That's gonna be a good <laughs> yeah. one. The return On of our Nick first Foles. pick. Yeah. <laughs> we take the Pope. The Pope. The Pope drafts the Pope. The... You can't do that. <laughs> Another quarterback. What are they going to do? <laughs> the Vatican's really going to do it this year. They're going to go all the way. Yeah, I bet. Uh, so uh, Philadelphia streetcars uh, increased service, and the Pennsylvania Railroad ran special trains uh, from Philadelphia's Market Street to New York City, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. As seen uh, every, in every Monopoly. Day. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. The uh, Yeah, it's true. Uh, uh, we should do an episode of Monopoly. Monopoly is uh is it was invented by a guy in Philadelphia, and it's based on um all streets in Atlantic City. As long as we get to talk about the TV show McMillions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just do an episode on McMillions. Just call me after. Can we talk about it? <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. I just finished that too. Um, Philadelphia and the Reading Railroads ran special trains uh, right into the heart of the fairground as well. So they would take you, if your hotel was right by there, you could take a special train that would drop you off right on, the, on, the, on that side of the Schuylkill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philadelphia appointed 500 men as Centennial Guards for the exposition among soldiers, local men hired by the city. Uh, among the soldiers and local men hired by the city was Frank Geyer, who we talked about in the Moy Menzing episode. He's best known for capturing America's first serial killer, H.H. H. Holmes. Uh, oh, so, so after so what he, was did he do, he after he was done that, he signed up as a Centennial Guard. Um, as far as I can tell, he was uh, like an officer, and uh, the Centennial Guards they police the exhibit. They're, they're, this was like slightly outside the the city's uh, limits, so uh, they were they were deputized to keep the peace out there. And uh, they reunited lost children with their parents, and they collected lost items, and they like they settled if somebody was too drunk or whatever out there. Uh, they, they, they brought him to the, to the uh, police station that had been constructed or, or a police uh, a depot that had been constructed. Um, and apparently the most uh, unusual items uh, or the most usual items that they found in 1876 while uh, uh, patrolling were uh, hair pieces and false teeth. So people... <laughs> Everybody people... got dressed up. They put on their best teeth to go to this. Yeah, and then they lost them. They lost them. Um, it, it was a rough night. Uh, a party at the fair went all night long, and I guess until the uh, until there was no more light, until all the candles, gas lamps burned out. So uh, guards were required to live on site and were housed at six police stations strategically located throughout the exposition. Uh, officers slept in cramped quarters, which fostered health issues. Eight guards died while working the exposition. Six from typhoid. Oh my God. One, one, one from smallpox, and one had a heart attack. Oh well. <laughs> It's kind of nuts that there was yes. one case of smallpox. Like, you imagine when smallpox happens, you imagine it, there's like an outbreak or whatever, but just to have one guy. <clears throat> um, anyway. Gotta wash your hands. Gotta wash your hands. Moral of the story, wash your hands. The lesson of every podcast, wash mm-hmm. your hands. Mm-hmm. A magistrate's office and courtroom were located in the only two-story police station on the grounds, uh, and that was uh, used to conduct prisoner hearings. So they had their own little version of, like, Eagle's Court in 1876. Ah, referring uh, to all the past episodes. The referring to past episodes. Callbacks. You can uh, listen to it in the archives. You <laughs> go to the, visit the archives. Um, the, the party is so big that they needed their own police. They needed their own judges. They needed their own jail. 
because uh, they were outside the city limits. And this is a mixing of cultures and stuff too. 1876, people are, there's a lot of heavy drinking uh, still. The, the taverns. You don't uh, say. Yeah, I do, in fact. It was actually safer to drink uh, to drink liquor. When than has there not water. been heavy drinking, though? In the history of Philadelphia, I mean, only when the Quakers were here by themselves, I guess. <laughs> Man. Um, yeah, so the Centennial Commission sponsored a competition for the design of the exhibition venues, and after 10 design winners were chosen, it was determined that all of the plans were too expensive, so nobody won. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, instead, Herman J. Schwartzman, an engineer for the Fairmount Park Commission, uh, was appointed as the main designer for the exhibition. And up until that point, he had done mostly landscaping for the Fairmount Park and the Philadelphia Zoo. But he had visited the disastrous 1873 Vienna World's Fair, and so he knew n what not to do. Uh, because uh, previous World's Fairs relied on one giant building to house all of the exhibitions, like one giant convention center. Uh, but it was a logistical nightmare, moving everybody through that space and, and people bringing in new materials and, and things having to get repaired and then just the flow of, of guests coming in and out every day. So uh, uh, it was, a, it was a, a new idea to have it split up into multiple facilities. Bold and, and exciting. Kinda, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's kind of cool that um, he was a landscaper. Like his... His, for, his, his specialty wasn't necessarily building um, these buildings, but it was uh, laying out a giant ground well, like the zoo or Fairmount Park to its best you know, walkability or its, or its best visual um, uh, uh, pleasantness. I guess you imagine you're going to bring that many people and they're like, oh, well, we'll put them all in one place. And it's you know, grounds. You don't need like a, like a physical place. And that, that makes sense. And I know really, if you're going to gather X amount of people in Philadelphia... You're gonna put them on the parkway or the lakes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This makes sense. Uh, so yeah, it was cool. He designed all these like footpaths to move people around, and uh, mm -hmm. you know that's how 10 million people were able to explore this fairground. And the way it's like kind of described, it like reminds me of like Disney World and, and yeah and stuff like that. Just like so big and sprawling. Hmm. So, that's so, what um watching uh, the Defunct Land the series. Walt Disney based it on like fairs and stuff and fairgrounds and like world's fairs. And I guess there was one of these like one of these world's fairs. It looks like every like five to ten years. So, you know, if you if you made the journey to one of them, you're likely to, you know, go to the next one. If you had a good time, you're likely to go to the next one, especially if you're inclined to travel to begin with, because these are held all over the world. And like if it Coachella, comes dude, you're not going to go to just one. Yeah, yeah. It's a lifestyle, yeah. really. Right. Yeah, yeah, there's there yeah, there there were like uh people who were like had glow sticks at each one. Room, <laughs> it's like gas powered glow sticks. Yeah. Steam powered. Steam powered Steam face paint. <laughs> Whiskey and goose feathers. <laughs> oh man. Um so uh, uh after Schwartzman was appointed the chief architect for the Centennial uh, Exposition, he designed uh more than 200 buildings in the landscape within the exhibition grounds. Surrounded by three mile, a three-mile-long fence, because they didn't want anybody getting in for free. Uh, there were five main buildings in the exposition. There was the main exposition building, Memorial Hall, Machinery Hall, Agricultural Hall, and the Horticultural Hall. Uh, these buildings were huge. Uh, they were big, uh, really big, especially for the time. Uh, the I feel main like they're no longer around. Uh, most of them are not. Most of this stuff uh, did not survive. It was uh, it was big. It was built without you know modern technology. There's 
they're running electricity uh, through these facilities and heating these facilities. You know that that was not taken into account. It was built for summertime for warm weather, uh, and uh, yeah, these these they were built for a, a giant once in a lifetime convention. And uh, I'm sure, like just like the Olympics, they they sold the city on the idea that these uh, facilities could be reappropriated in the future, but m many of them could not. Uh, for instance, the, the main exhibition building uh, covered 21 and a half acres of space inside. Yeah. It was the largest. This could be turned into an art space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they always say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, 21 and a half acres of space inside. That's huge. It was, the, it was the largest building in the world at the time. The exterior of the building featured four towers, 75 feet high uh, at the... Uh, at each of the, the building's corners, and these towers had small balconies uh, at different heights that served as observation galleries that you could go to and look out over the, the you know, the, the grass plains that led to Philadelphia. Um, uh, within this building were the main exhibits, like where if you wanted to see like the latest technology and stuff, uh, they were arranged in a grid with exhibits from the United States placed in the center of the building and foreign exhibits arranged around them um, uh, and they were placed determined their place was determined by how far on the globe they were from the United States. So it was kind of like a mini like a mini map that you would walk through when you went in there as well. Uh, the, the exhibits inside were like uh, uh, mining and about metallurgy, manufacturing, education, science. So you would see like the latest of a lot of things going on in there. It was definitely like it definitely was was like the car show. It was definitely like a convention, but a convention for everything. That sounds amazing. Like that must have been so inspiring, even to really, like the world is changing and we're we're all moving forward. Uh, definitely a different attitude. <laughs> yeah, it, it is definitely like the the shining city on the hill kind of uh, image of the United States and the idea that the future is limitless and there's a a great splash of national nationalism uh, across all of this. You know, America is at the center of it. There's a psychology to all of that. And this oh, is like, yeah, of course. Yeah, and this is like the biggest thing that's happening uh, in the world that year, 1876. And, you know, uh, not just America celebrating its birthday, but the centennial. And then those two ideas become wrapped together. And then that spreads, you know, when people go home, when they take their, their manufacture, their inventions from overseas, they take them back home and they tell everybody about America and how wonderful Philadelphia like, is. Our cuckoo clocks suck. You know what they're doing <laughs> in Philadelphia? <laughs> they're reinventing the cuckoo clock. They're reinventing this shit. In Philadelphia, they have these things called long hops. <laughs> <laughs> They're green, and they make everything better. <laughs> you guys, you guys, somebody, somebody was exposed to like street carts or something. Street, street, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then took that back to where they come from. Pretzel bread. Yeah. <laughs> Pizza pretzel. <laughs> um. So after the exposition, the, the main building was sold at auction for $250,000, but it quickly ran into financial difficulties. And, uh, of it course it did. Yeah. Uh, it remained open through 1879. It was finally demolished in 1881. So uh, this 21-and-a-half-acre building did not last uh, terribly long. It didn't last the ages, but I guess, you know, almost, uh, almost six years, seven years. Long enough. Yeah. <laughs> Good enough. Um, so then there was the, the horticultural building, uh, survived the exhibition and remained in use until it was severely damaged by Hurricane Hazel in 1954. 
Um, the current Fairmount Park Horticultural Center uh, was built on the same site in 1976. So if you've ever gone to the, the Horticultural Center in Fairmount now, you're standing on the same spot that the Centennial one uh, stood in 1876, but it just got, it just got so damaged in 1954 that they, they, they tore it down. Shut it down. Hmm. Yeah. That's a beautiful area, too, um, and uh, the structures uh, do look old, and they do look like they belong there. It definitely has that, that kind of like Gilded Age uh, feel to it. Um, only four of the original uh, Centennial World's Fair buildings still survive today. There's Memorial Hall building and the Horticultural uh, building. Uh, the uh, Memorial Hall is the only uh, main building that remains, though. Uh, it opened—I'm I'm sorry, I'm going to reread this. I, got, I lost my place. Only four of the original Centennial World's Fair buildings still survive today. Memorial Hall is the only main building that remains. Uh, when it opened, Memorial Hall was the largest art gallery in the country with a massive 1.5-acre footprint and a 150-foot dome on top. Uh, it provided 75,000 square feet of wall space for paintings and 20,000 square feet of floor space for sculptures. The exhibition received so many art contributions that a separate annex was built to house them all. Uh, Memorial Hall became the prototype for other museums, including the Library of Congress. Uh, after the initial exposition, Memorial Hall reopened in 1877 as the Philadelphia Museum of Art. In 1928, the museum moved to the head of the Benjamin Franklin Parkway, where it remains today. Uh, Memorial Hall was used for a time as an art college and as a police station, but now the building houses the Please Touch Museum, which includes a oh. faithful... Yeah which includes a faithful 20 by 30 foot model of the exposition grounds uh, and the 200 buildings from the centennial celebration. Uh, I also saw while looking it up, I haven't been there since it moved there. Um, I've walked by the outside, you know, a hundred times, but um, the, I haven't been there since the Please Touch Museum moved there. And I saw on the website, it looks like they have the Statue of Liberty hand. Uh, they have a replica of that, like made out of like. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like made a out of bubblegum. I... It's like a found art piece. It looks like it's made out of like junk or whatever. It's colorful junk. Oh, that's cool. Um, you, you, I couldn't really tell in the photo, but it is cool. That's cool. I worked on an exhibition mm -hmm. that was there for the. Uh, I, I worked. I made the Wolverine den. Uh, I worked for like a fabrication company that made. Oh, the, the styrofoam. Yeah, when they when they reopened at the. Just uh, dropping names all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I made the Wolverine. I just made den. A, casually just made a Wolverine den. It was my whole summer. No <laughs> big did. D. Uh, I was expecting you to talk about the Please Touch Museum. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I didn't know they were the same. I didn't know they were the same building. Um, Let's go. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty crazy. When they open. Um, three adult men <laughs> with three no kids. Men. No kids. <laughs> just going to the Please Touch Museum. So we were just at the Nothing heart. Weird about that. <laughs> we went down <laughs> <laughs> Um. Uh, Eleven nations had their own buildings, we talked about this earlier, along with 26 of the 37 U.S. states at the time, uh, built on the fairgrounds. Only one such state house still exists in its original location in Fairmount Park. Is it Connecticut? Nope. It's Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's Ohio. your guess for everything. The Ohio house stands at Belmont Avenue uh, around North 52nd Street, uh, and it looks like it's a cafe or an event space now. I don't imagine it's open during the, uh, the coronavirus shutdown right now, but it is uh, uh, usually a, a, an active space. Apparently, it was restored in, like, 2007. That's cool. Yeah. Let's go. Um, uh, well, we, we, we might not be able to get in uh, right now, but it's, uh, like I said, it's definitely worth taking a look at. Not with that attitude. <laughs> 
Okay, and the last two uh, leftover structures of the Centennial are a pair of, quote, comfort stations, which are uh, restrooms. Oh. Uh, they were, yeah. Oh. We're getting, to the, we're getting to the bathrooms. We're getting to the poop spots. No. Finally. So, Finally. <laughs> this is what, the, what the everyone privies. wants to know. How did everyone poop at the Centennial? Uh, the comfort stations were located south of the now-demolished uh, horticulture building, uh, so where the current horticulture building is now, and they were used as public toilets. Uh, they are in the process of being renovated. I think one of them is done, and the other one is they just started. And uh, the two buildings are perhaps the only surviving restrooms from a 19th century international exposition in the whole world. So, wow. Yeah, they're quite famous bathrooms. I'm going to go For, there, too. Yeah. <laughs> Bellini family trip. Right? <laughs> yeah. Let's eat a large meal. And then yeah, we'll get some barbecue. We'll go, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to Sweet Lucy's Northeast, and, <laughs> and yeah. then we'll go down. Make a whole day of it. A whole day. <laughs> a whole day. Of it. Yeah. Like, like we were at the Centennial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll bring an automatic hammer with us. <laughs> Okay, you guys, you want to talk about uh, what kind of inventions debuted at the 1876 World's Fair? Hit it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, how about a freaking monorail that linked the horticultural building oh. and the agricultural building? Mm -hmm. Like Disney World, they mm -hmm. had a monorail. Mm -hmm. uh, like Shelbyville. <laughs> it, uh, it was a 170-yard track, and people would ride it. You could just get on it. There's pictures of it. It's like, it's not an exaggeration. I can't believe it was we a had single... this luxury at this one time in this city, and now we don't. Yeah, we were. The, I don't know if we were the first city in the world with the monorail, but I'm pretty sure it debuted here. It was a. Uh, it, it, I looked it up. It was the idea of this uh, uh, Revolutionary War soldier who, um, I guess, you know, was ha ha living his life on trains, being transported around, and he came up with this idea for the. Uh, I guess they had to lay their own track too, and so he came up with this idea for the monorail, which is a single elevated uh, track on uh, on a steel beam, and so he built a uh, a um, uh, a prototype. And he hooked it up with a steam engine, and uh, and he had it running, and it went back and forth. It was driven from the rear so that it could uh, it could go back and forth uh, along this route, and uh, it was it was ridden every day. If you were at the agricultural hall and you were like, let's go check out the horticultural hall, you could jump on the um, on the monorail and get there. Wow, that must have been amazing. Yeah, that's some future. Uh, that must have blew people's minds, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And people are like hanging off. So people are so impressed with it in the pictures. They're like hanging they're off hanging. the sides. They're like being, <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're like. They grease the poles. They're unsafe. like Don't let them coming back the from, <laughs> yeah, they're drunk coming back from an Eagles game on the monorail. The old Eagles game. Maybe that's why they, it didn't last. Maybe that's why they had to take it down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the exposition nice. also featured uh, Alexander Graham Bell's recently patented telephone. And uh, he had it set up at both ends of the main hall, so ahoy, you could stand. Ahoy. So like, yeah, you could go to one end and and pick it up, and I could go to the other end of the hall and pick it up, and we could talk to each other. So it was the first time a lot of people got to use a telephone. Cool. What a bust that turned out to be. <laughs> uh, the uh, the typewriter and the electric pen and the revolving pistol all made their international debut at the Philadelphia Centennial World's Fair. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Look at that. You can. You can write faster and kill faster mm -hmm. at the same time. Some say Everything was the about, pen is mightier yeah. than the... Uh, <laughs> than the revolver? Than the, the revolver? I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, the World's Fair... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a new place to, to see new inventions, and who could have guessed that these things were going to change the world? I'm sure there was... For every typewriter, electric pen, and revolving pistol, there's a, an automatic hammer that didn't make the, the cut. There's yeah. A, there's, the hell is that? There's, there's, I mean... 
There's tons monorails of are kind of like uh, there's they've tried to have monorails like in modern times and it's just never 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 really works out too well, huh? Never really worked. Although the it's L worth it for the Simps the Simpsons episode. Oh right, oh right, they did do an episode about that, didn't they? <laughs> is the is the um is the is the train in Disney World not a monorail? I thought it was a monorail. Maybe it's. Like, maybe I I think it was, but I don't I don't know if they have it anymore. Oh, they, they, went back, they went back to two rails. They upgraded. And um, the zoo downgraded. used to have a monorail too, but I think that's closed also. Yeah, and uh, maybe I don't know if this is the case, but uh, Wanamaker's had a monorail uh, for kids that they at the um, in oh. the department store. Uh, <clears throat> there's a uh, weird pictures of that online too. It was suspended from the ceiling, and you like put your kid. Oh, that's in terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so, yeah. get on this. I'm going to go buy uh, furs. <laughs> they do look like they're in little cages, too. It's, it's, um, it looks inhumane. No. <laughs> we could do, we'll do a whole episode on Wanamakers, too. Um, okay, but it was the mass-produced goods like sewing machines, stoves, lanterns, guns, tools, wagons, carriages, and agricultural equipment that really brought the, brought the crowds. If you were a regular Joe Schmo if you were, and you wanted to go see like the inventions of tomorrow, that's one thing, but... Uh, that that had more of a limited appeal. Most people were going because they heard they the the latest advances. In I hear wagons, then, uh, and I, I'm gonna be there. Yeah, things that impacted their lives directly was were, were what brought these crowds for the most part. So like there was a there was advancements in locomotion engines that were like uh, better than old locomotion engines, but people already knew about steam powered engines, and it, it wasn't as big a draw as something like the boring mustache yeah. mustache combs. I need I I must see. <laughs> or watching a giant machine press sewing machines, you know, or, or or a million combs or whatever. Like that was a new kind of technology that people mm. were just getting used to and and interested in as well. So uh, some other weird exhibitions at the 1876 World's Fair to mention, I think that are worth mentioning, is uh, the, the British exhibited the evolved bicycle at their, at their, at their house, at their international house. Uh, it had the, it's the first bike with tension is spokes. Old, is that the old-timey bicycle with the big wheel? Yes, and a large front wheel. They are known as penny farthings. Uh, <laughs> penny farthings. Uh, so oh, these, were, wow. these were already common in, in England uh, at the time, in the United Kingdom at the time. But uh, the comical bicycles inspired Albert Augustus Pope uh, to begin making high-wheel bikes in the United States, and he founded the Columbia Bike Company and started the Good Roads Movement, um, which uh, was like a, you know, a grassroots movement to repair uh, rural roads and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and non-urban spaces so that you could ride your bike through them. And uh, there, I'm pretty sure Columbia Bike Company was the first uh, manufacturer of bikes in the United States, uh, mass producer of bikes in the United States. Old timey bicycles. Yep. You don't see those uh, too often. No, but like they were going very... down, going down the street. I'm like, hey, I'm 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 riding my bike here. No, yeah. and if you, <laughs> I, it, it's a certain kind of person rides one now. I wonder if it was a certain <laughs> kind of person who rode one then. You know, nothing, nothing. Where you're just it. like, nothing I don't like saying. this. I don't like this person. I no, I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't do that. But like, you know, someone's like, I want that. You know, it, it both. I saw a guy one time in West Philly. Riding a goddamn unicycle down the street in the oh. street, yeah, and it was just like, dude, like you're just showing off. You know what I mean? If I like, could ride no one, one, I would. I'd this. rub it in your face every day if I could ride one. You're lucky. The unicycle. Well, I'm makes gonna sense get. Though. I'm gonna get a penny farthing. How about that? <laughs> yeah. The and then we'll we'll see who gets to the to the world's fair quicker. <laughs> I'll take my hot air balloon. You can take your. <laughs> I'll take my monorail. I'll take my monorail. <laughs> Um, like my steampunk Labrador. 
<laughs> Steam powered Labrador. <laughs> oh man, uh, the uh, the we we mentioned this before, but while you were there, you could also see the right arm of the torch of the Statue of Liberty. Uh, it was showcased at the exhibition. It's so cool! You got to put that in the uh, the visual. Component. I will, and you know what's a trip? It, there aren't there isn't a huge crowd around it. It isn't a big deal. Everyone's like, no, what it's the like fuck there's is like hand? one guy. They know how famous yeah. you're going to be. Yeah, they just didn't know. Well, you know, it's like, they had no idea. Like, and and it was. Like I could have oh, met sorry. Lady Gaga before she was famous. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care then. Um, and I um and I guess it was part of the French uh, pavilion as well. They like they brought it here as part of their exhibition of like you know this is the country of France and here is a gift for you. Um, cool. And, uh, a piece for of fifty something. cents. Like, no way he's got to yeah. finish this thing. Well, and a lot of people didn't think they were going to finish it. Um, there wasn't a there wasn't a pedestal for the Statue of Liberty, so it didn't have anywhere to go in New York other than a storage uh, space, other than a warehouse or whatever. So um, at the eighteen seventy six World's Fair, you could pay fifty cents uh, per visitor to climb a ladder and hang out in the torch, uh, the balcony on the torch of the Statue of oh, Liberty. Man, that's yeah. worth it. Oh, dude! If you had Instagram, if you if you uh, if you, if you could uh, get a selfie of that, uh, selfies. That's so much social cred. Yep, I like it. But I looked up a picture of it, and there's like there's hardly anybody around. Like you would think there would be all a their line. money like, on on the, on on the ticket. You know, I mean, it's fifty cents. Did you hear money, about you know, this man. wagon? Yeah, I'd rather hear about pen. this. I want a, Now they have red wagons. You hear about this? <laughs> I guess there were lots of balconies to look out of, and this may not have been the tallest balcony in the in the fairground. So, mm. uh, you know, the lines for the other ones may have been longer. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, and uh, inside it. But before you leave the fairgrounds, something you should be sure to check out are the Beaver Falls Cutlery Company. Uh, they have exhibited the largest knife and fork in the world, made by Chinese immigrant workers. How big was it? It is. It has to be like eight to ten feet tall. There's a photo on the wiki page of um, of the of um, two. I guess they were they were the the manufacturers, the the immigrant workers who sculpted them, but uh, standing next to them, and they the fork and the knife tower over them. They're each holding one of them, and uh, uh, it's an ornate fork and an ornate knife, and it may be the first example of a giant knife and fork in Philadelphia. As everyone knows, they're a huge staple of Nona kitchens, and I think that this may be where they came from. Nona's everywhere. We're like, oh, that's a good that's idea. A good <laughs> <laughs> Truly the world's fair. Truly. <laughs> yeah, I man. Gotta the, I got to look up this knife. Yeah, I guess it's nice. It's pretty funny. We we um, we'll we'll be sure to include it in the visual companion. Maybe it might edge out the Statue of Liberty hand. But yeah, everyone's the, seen uh, that old news. Yeah, you know what that looks like. Beerman's favorite. Also, Who they, cares? Consider the, also the Statue of Liberty hand was was brass, so it was it was shiny brass at the time. Uh, it was not cool. it, green. it was not green. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Look at that picture. It's so funny. Oh wait wait. <laughs> It's got a right. It's like it's like eight or it's like eight or nine nine feet wow. tall, right? Oh man, it's even taller than I remember looking at. It's it's bigger than I remember. Mm -hmm. They're huge. Mm -hmm. I like that fork. That's too uh, too. That's great. Make a, a yeah. steak with it. That's a big ass knife. Mm -hmm. No, you, you, you weren't uh, you weren't kidding. No man. Welcome to the eighteen seventy six uh, centennial. We Every, got it all. I want to go back. The dude. World's Fair. <laughs> they they call it the World's Fair for a reason. Yeah. 
I'm um, on the Wikipedia. It says that Heinz ketchup was there too. Yes. Um, among the foods that debuted uh, were uh, um, Pennsylvania. Oh, hold on, I just lost it. Legends of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Legends of Pennsylvania. Uh, Heinz ketchup and uh, the root beer. Oh, I can't find the name of the of the company. What was it called? Hers? No, that, that's the A-N-W. potato chip company. Hold on, I have to look it up. I'm sorry. Uh, Frank's. Uh, Hanks. Uh, A and W. A and W. The one in South Jersey with the cool sign. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I think I think it was Hires. I think it was Hires. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The original. Yeah, I never really debuted that. at the World's Fair. Now, you knew root a lot of beer. you knew a lot of root beers right off the top of your head. I, yeah, dude. <laughs> Name five root beers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Heinz Heinz ketchup and uh, and Heyer's root beer uh, debuted um, at the Pen- uh, Philadelphia World's Fair. And popcorn, uh, as in like a a, a a container, a sellable, you know, marketable packaging, uh, was first debuted here as well. Nice. Yeah. So was it a success um, for, would you consider the 1876 World's Fair a success? Sounds like a hit to me. And that big-ass knife? Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. although not financially successful for investors, the Centennial Exposition did impress foreigners with the industrial and commercial growth of the country. And the level of exports from the United States increased and the level of imports decreased. Uh, so the trade Bol- balance grew in their favor. Bolivia was like, all right, all right, I guess, UL- I guess USA is cool. Like we didn't make any money, but we had a really good time. <laughs> it sounds like Philadelphia. <laughs> so like every convention we've ever had a booth at. <laughs> That's convention life. That's con life. Uh, most some leads. What's that? Made some leads. Made some leads. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got some business cards. Uh, yeah, most importantly, everybody had a good time. It was finally remembered as a shining moment in Philadelphia history. It, it definitely uh, it kept Philadelphia. Uh, up there, we talked, you know, during the, the the pandemic episode about how Philadelphia kind of took a punch in the gut losing the national capital, but uh, it had it had still saved, mad about it. Still mad about it. You can hear it in my voice. But uh, this was uh, this was definitely a, a step in in uh, rebooting Philadelphia for international audiences. It, it wasn't so stodgy and old fashioned. There was uh, there was new technology coming out of here. Exciting uh, and it was new. A, it's exciting. exciting and new. Philadelphia, exciting and new. Yeah, we cracked the Liberty Bell, but I mean, uh, we we made up for it with the World's Fair. I understand <laughs> testing something until it breaks, so I really, I truly love that about the Liberty Bell. <laughs> a little more, a little more, a little more. Stop touching it. Broke it. Don't touch it. Oh well, look, it's not gonna break any further than that, though. Well, now I know. Is... So... Now I know. Now, now we know. all know. Now we won't do it again. Just put one bolt in the middle of it. That, that'll hold it. Don't make any typos. I did. Oh, well. Well, this episode went longer than expected, so we are turning it into a two-parter follow-up next week when we do the second World's Fair that was in South Philly. Uh, please uh, follow our website that has uh, a visual companion from this episode and follow along on our Instagram for... Update on all kinds of things in Philadelphia.